So, I'm sitting here editing our most recent version of uh, our podcast, the Exchanges Podcast, and I just got done. I look over on my laptop screen, and I see on my RSS feed something pop up about Hobson's new music video, Happy Ending. So, of course, I watch it. And man... I'm not sure what even to think, man. Talk about um, inflammatory and hyper-racist. Ouch. So I watch the music video, and after I get done, I go over to my man Anthony Fantano's page. He's um, an independent online YouTube uh, music reviewer. You guys have probably heard of him. He is uh, one of my favorite critics. And, um, of course, he definitely had um, a critique or a small um, opinion on this new Hobson music video. A lot of the stuff that he says, I pretty much agree. He brought up this point of, (laughs) what if there was a country singer, right? And he created a music video about going to... I don't know, um, a black neighborhood in Atlanta and trying to find himself a black woman to go ahead and have sex with on the low for money. How outraged would the black community be about that? They probably would be very outraged. I imagine that there will be a shitstorm in the media for that country singer. Um, And even if that country singer did... Everything as a in tongue in cheek the way Hobson did for his new happy ending music video. For you guys to know what I'm talking about, you obviously have to go ahead and watch the music video. It's him um, taking Asian stereotypes to the nth degree and uh, talking about going to um, <laughs> a massage parlor, an Asian massage parlor, and getting a quote unquote happy ending. And the stereotypes are everywhere everywhere so like i said uh imagine if um, a country white singer would have did something similar um how would we feel would we be offended would that singer be blackballed should the same thing happen to hobson considering some of the obviously not serious but still stereotypical representations of asian women so um i don't know I feel like we're at a place in public society where there's a very low tolerance for this type of stuff, for these type of stereotypes out there. Maybe in a previous generation, there, um, or I'm sorry, in a previous time period, um, you can get away with stuff like this. But um, in today's world, how divisive and toxic it is, things like this can go ahead and end your career. Or... It can go ahead and make your career too, right? Um, There's all types of uh, no-name people who became famous because of um, their trolling and maybe their stereotypes and whatnot. So I don't know, man. Uh, Let's go ahead and get down to brass tacks here. Welcome to another edition of The Exchanges Podcast. We have another great one here for you. Um, actually, I have to give a lot of credit to all of uh, the people I sat down with to have this conversation. To Lawrence, Kwaku, and David. Because you guys did the heavy lifting for this episode. Um, I came into it kind of my brain in mush. I was 
a bit overworked. I just been going at it, doing these podcasts, working, and doing a whole bunch of other product projects. And um, <laughs> I was kind of driving in this conversation low on gas, I felt like. Like, maybe I needed to take my uh, omega-3s or something. So after I was done recording this conversation, I was a bit hesitant on how it would come out. At least how I would sound. But um, <laughs> I must say that this one is another awesome podcast session. All thanks to a lot of the intellectual lifting of Kwaku, Lawrence, and David. Um, we fly pretty far in this conversation. We start out pretty grounded. We talk about the tragic Las Vegas shootings. And then after that, we um, <laughs> shoot to the stars. We get into some very deep philosophical and um, hypothetical talk about artificial intelligence. And what does it mean today? And what will it mean in the future? And um, what does it mean to be um, human in relating to uh, AI and technology? After that, we go ahead and get into the Republican tax plan. So we get backgrounded. And uh, just when you think the episode is over, no, we got more. <laughs> uh, we actually stayed and started talking about conspiracy videos. We talked about Clinton Cash for a moment. Uh, we went ahead and got into uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Oh, man, we uh, ended up talking about the gerrymandering case that's going before the Supreme Court and what may happen in that. We talk about Facebook trolling and none of that stuff we talked about in order I just presented. Uh, we just kind of went into a freewheeling conversation. It's actually pretty damn good. And that's what I love about this podcast. We go ahead and get together with um, ordinary people from their walks of life and gets their opinions on all types of things that are happening in our society uh, today. And each one is just getting better and better. Also, I'm getting really handy here with the audio production equipment here. So it's taking me a little bit less time to put these together. I went ahead and slammed out three of them in the past couple weeks. That's what I'm talking about. I'm a little bit proud of myself. Anyway, please go on YouTube and like and subscribe our channel there. Um, your support means so much to us. I hope to look back at these early podcasts and reminisce about, man, remember when we had like two subscribers and maybe three views? Now look at us. We're doing a billion. <laughs> I doubt it'll get that big. You know, I'm all open for a larger audience connecting with our podcast here and uh, maybe bringing some of you people on. Who knows? I want to go ahead and grab the opinions of everyday folks out there. I want to, to bring their life story to our podcast. So um, lastly, of course, I'm going to go ahead and say it again because it's coming. It's probably coming actually after this episode. We're going to go ahead and upload this stuff to iTunes and to the Google Play Store and we will have um, a web place for you to go ahead and listen to our podcast outside of YouTube. So in the future, you'll be able to go ahead and just download our app or I'm sorry, actually download, subscribe to our show and um, listen to all of these podcasts at your leisure. If you're driving in a car, you're at work, um, whatever you're doing out there, cooking some food, you can go ahead and get some great conversation from us. I think that's all I got right now. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into it. See you guys on the flip side. Adios. website called Rise of Him. And so I tried to do like cultural pieces and things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did this kind of a research article on the masquerade and how um, it got shut down and then it got moved to um, 
the Coca-Cola Underground is at right now, and everything, and all the reasons behind that. These land developers over there, man, they want that entire property surrounding, of course, the belt line that they've been trying to build for the past, like, 15 years or however long it's been in business there. And, um, you know, they they finally pushed them out. Um, Well, actually, I, I wouldn't say pushed out because... Um, the original owners, uh, you know, they, they sold it to another individual. Then that individual, I forget his name now, but he had a ton of drug issues and stuff going on. He, um, a really popular nightlife guy down in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who goes out to the masquerade, y'all know who I'm talking about because <laughs> it was all over the news. And uh, but he had like a drug overdose and he died. But before he died, he ended up um, selling that that property, that building, um, to these these land developer people and they finally forced the people at the masquerade to go ahead and leave the owners of the masquerade tried to go ahead and purchase this other bigger venue that was um a little bit north i want to say uh what's the name of um but anyway somewhere north around that area the masquerade went ahead and uh, bought this huge um, warehouse area and they were going to go i don't know if you guys ever been to the masquerade before but there's three different you know, parts. Yeah, it, it's it's um uh, pretty much an, an event venue, yeah, club venue. Um, yeah, they have all different types of acts come through. You know, really famous. It's been around for for forever. Um, it, like the Warp Tour was started at the Masquerade. Yeah, I know the Warp Tour. And, yeah, 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 earlier. Yeah, in the, in I remember it a lot back in the days, but haven't heard anything recently about it. So. Yeah, uh, but I mean, anyway, they bought this huge building. They were going to make the heaven and the hell sections and the limbo in between and there. Purgatory. But yeah, purgatory. There was this other developer who was in the area who um, was trying to. They, they they just got done building a subdivision. Yeah. And they were like, mm, "We're trying to sell these houses. <laughs> we're not trying to have the masquerade right down the street." Right. So they tied the masquerade people up into court. So the masquerade couldn't fight these guys. You know, big money behind them. So they finally opted to go ahead and just move it down to um, the Coca Cola. Sure. Yeah. And uh, that's that. Anyway, yeah, I, I guess we should go ahead and get into it. Uh, we're at we're at Dave's house, a secret location, because our uh, our other venue has been um, by some people. I, I swear they're doing fantasy football. Any of you guys do fantasy football? Uh, no. I do not. I do, but yeah? I'm not into it. I'm usually the guy that gets chosen because they need they need eight people. Oh yeah, try again. Fill out a card. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not into it. I mean, at my job, they try to get me. You know, do some fantasy football, man. Like, no, I don't, I don't pay attention. I'm, I've never been really that big of a sports guy. It's been, you know, it's whatever. But, uh, nope. I mean, I'm into other, I call it, I call it fantasy football like uh, Dungeons and Dragons for, you know, like job, job minded folks. <laughs> but, you know, sure. and sure, uh, yeah. but I like Dungeons and Dragons. I play the game. So, Me you too. know, it's whatever. It's, it's fun. I go to another meetup group for that, actually. Yeah, I but, play online with the groups. So. Oh, Roll 20? Uh, yeah, Fantasy Roll20, round? I play Pathfinder every two weeks. Okay, yeah, Pathfinder is the game ever since 4th edition. But, Absolutely. Uh, I skipped and completely over 4th edition. Couldn't stand it. Too much like a video game, too much like WoW or World of Warcraft. Okay. And uh, But 5th edition is where it's at. It's no, really I've heard good. it's good. You should try it. But, uh, so who we got here? I'm Brent, obviously. Uh, Kwaku. I'm Kwaki. Lawrence. And I'm Dave. Dave, all right. Lawrence, we have a new guy. Thank you for coming out, man. You're welcome. Uh, you ready to talk about some interesting topics? You ready Let's to go see. ahead and, and we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what the table brings out of each other. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, okay. he, his uh, roommate is actually at the uh, Women's Night as well. So okay, with Andy oh, cool. tonight. So. Cool. Okay. Cool. We got uh, several topics here. Um, the shootings in Las Vegas. I mean, that was a big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, over over the past couple weeks. You know, the world always brings some type of event, which is tragic. I actually have uh, you know some things I want to go ahead and talk about with that. Uh, but then we have artificial intelligence, and uh, I definitely some some things I want to discuss with that. I want to go into a concept because we talked about this a long time ago and uh, we brought up an interesting proposition that I want to go ahead and bring to the table, but we'll go ahead and get to that. Then lastly, um, you know, keeping kind of what current events, I don't know how, guy, how, how much you guys are interested in the whole death and taxes or <laughs> the Republican tax plan and stuff. But if you want to guys go ahead and uh, shoot the shit and talk about that, we can Why talk not? about that too. Sure. So uh, first, I mean, let's, I mean, it's only four of us here, so we can go ahead and, uh, get into um, each of our guys' ideas of, you know, any of these topics. But let's start with the Las Vegas shooting, since it's the biggest thing. Um, Quapke, man, what do you think? What do you think? Um, obviously, it's <laughs> terrible. Um, but w- I don't know if it's weird, but I haven't actually read a lot about it. It's I've just gotten so used to stuff like this happening. It's just become like... The new normal for me, which don't get me wrong, it wasn't just I was like, oh, you know, I was, I was shocked. But then, honestly, I, I mean, I read things here and there, but it's been mostly uh, just kind of move on with things. Um, for me, I, I just I've become really very much desensitized <clears throat> to this, which is crazy because I remember when Col- Columbine happened, and I was just. <laughs> I never forgot that, but now it happened so much. I think they're like fifteen hundred or something. Like mm. since since then, something mm. crazy like that, mass shootings, mm. just in this country. Mm. So it's, you know, it's yeah, that's where I am. I was shocked, but it was just it was like being punched in the face, you know, for mm. the hundredth time. Eventually, just like it, it hurts. I mean, you so you you definitely feel like a level of just being desensitized to yeah. all types of violence. Well, I mean, do you think that the media is really what's driving that? It's just you hear so much about it. Like, you know, these shootings are constantly yes. in your face. Um, okay, so... But just the violent, do you ever feel like, you know, like, I should I should be affected by this yeah. stuff? And it's not something I constantly feel. It's something that will dawn on me from time to time. Like, I'll be at work at my desk and it'll cross my mind, like, shit, 50, <laughs> 58 or 59. I don't say it's 58 people got killed. I should really, like... Care I would say, yeah, and I don't want to use the term care because, you know, it might have a, like a, like I don't care, but I should be more shocked, but then I just carry on with my day because I've become <laughs> so desensitized. Um, the media does play a big part in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like since Donald Trump got elected, it's ratcheted up. It's, it's almost like it's shown them a new way to be profitable. So, uh, you know, obviously now it's, they have shows about, is it Paddock, Stephen Paddock, the, the shooter's life, like this and that? Oh, wow. And they've what? turned that Wait, into, on. like, what? What reality yeah. shows. Oh, not like a show, like oh, okay. his own show, but shows, like, talking All about... All the information. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, it's yeah, yeah. almost like, I hate Pretty to say nice. it, but I can almost imagine, like, um, what's his name? Is it Jeff Zucker? Like, let's say, for instance, the head of CNN, like, when this happened, he was like, yes! Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I could literally yeah. imagine that. He just talked to you and goes, like, yes, money, you know, Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. money. We're all gonna eat for weeks, so that also because I try and stay away from that, just because it's so Hollywood. It's so like, just ugh, it, you kinda. know. I, I feel like 
MTV can come out with a series <laughs> where huh. they show like a disturbed 13 or 14 year mm-hmm. old and you know, it's called like his shooter life <laughs> where you get to see him like, you know, meander around his uh, room and uh, feel like an outcast. Eventually watch him uh, go out and uh, buy a bunch of weapons. The camera crew there and everything, there's no way to stop him. Um, and then him proceed to go ahead and do something really violent with those weapons. And them take that show, put it on TV, and market it for money. That's how, you know, like, I think commercialized and desensitized the public has gotten to this stuff that the, the concept itself can be marketed, like, you know, you're saying with how the media oh, yeah. does it. Along the way, lines of what he said, I mean, we had over the last year 400 mass shootings. That's more than okay, there right. are actually days of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Which means that there are days that people are doubling down or whatnot. And you talk about this person, you know, this recluse sitting in his house. How about we talk about this guy? We're talking about a 65-year-old man, uh, divorced but has a very nice girlfriend, multimillionaire, gambles but otherwise doesn't have to work in life. And that's not going to be the MTV show. This guy does not meet any of the standards that you would want to to find in a mass shooter. And they still have no clue. He didn't leave a message. He didn't have any vendettas. He just sent his girlfriend off and gave her $100,000, bought 47 guns, and... When you yeah, it's not. I mean, Lawrence, what, what do you got to say, man? Just yeah, like following up Dave saying that it doesn't fit the the typical profile people would think about. Match with someone who's not like aloof or quiet or some kind of teenager, but he seems wealthy. He's not poor, and just some like people like the people at Fox News. It seems they didn't. They're not usually if, so, if someone who uh, who's uh, of other uh, have a different. I hate to say it. Sometimes it seems like I have a different skin on. They'll probably easily. They're black. Well, <laughs> even brown. Even, yeah, even yeah, brown. yeah, yeah. That's true. Black, brown, brown. They, they'll, they'll immediately jump on it. So, ironically, that's actually a false fact. Now, what is true that is okay. that if you're Muslim, mm-hmm. that you actually have to kill seven less people in order to get news coverage than really? you do if you are okay. a Christian wow. white person. But it's also true that in order to get the framing as a black man, you have to kill three more people because the media is very sensitive about racial issues and they don't want to make... Right, with mass shootings. You would would actually have to kill three more people than I would to actually make the news because they they try to shut down this this thing that we've we've actually gotten with the community to the level where the news should be, and that is we're trying to be a little more racially sensitive, but now they're trying to overcompensate. They don't want to be perceived as somebody that comes against black people. But that same thing has not been applied to Hispanics. That thing has certainly not been applied to Muslims, where a Muslim shooting will get four times more media sure. coverage sure. than a uh, Christian shooting. So before I came here, I went ahead and I went on this great website. It's called like Gun Violence Watch or something. It came out or over the past three or four years where they're starting to actually take um, all the news and kind of crunch these statistics and you know pump out data on uh, gun violence in the United States of America. And I was going down the list of all the instances this year, 2017, of uh, gun violence. And of course, um, you know, the first one starting with the 58, you know, uh, murder count, Las Vegas, um, you know, the 60-year-old guy. The one immediately following that was um, 
uh, nine-person uh, shooting. That led me to think of, like, well, what's considered a mass shooting? That's true. So right? That's what I was thinking. The media is, apparently has been going on the definition of a mass shooting being um, the killing of at least three or four people. The FBI says that it's considered a mass shooting if it's done in a public place, uh, three to four people, and um, it's indiscriminate killing. So the FBI doesn't categorize like an individual, um, you know, killing their entire family, right, as a mass shooting, which is pretty weird. I think that's more homicide, but it's still well, like, either way they're homicide. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. they're both homicides, but it's like you know the it's distinction cool. here is I, I was, is I guess the space. I would say yeah. I agree with it, but maybe get it because even back to what you were saying, I feel like it's narratives. It's yeah. all built on narratives. So, uh, for instance, when we think of a mass shooter, we all now have been trained to think of certain things like public place, mm-hmm. gun. Well, of course, mass shooter, but something like that. Um, so I feel like it's just something that maybe will fall into that narrative. As soon as it ticks off these boxes, then, oh, it's a mass shooting. Let's run with this story for three weeks. Yeah. Or, you know, like that. Now, the the media doesn't seem to go by the whole um, indiscriminate killing clause where the people you shoot have to just be random people and not people you're associated with or your family. The media just seems to classify it as three to four people um, being shot generally um, in a short time span. When we hear these statistics of, you know, 17k people you know being killed in mass shootings and stuff that's that's a lot of instances but off but i often think that the average person when they think of mass shooting they think of what we saw in las vegas so that hasn't happened in modern society in the united states um Mm -hmm. so i mean we we had killings of that but they were racial in instance back in the 30s so since then we haven't really had like 50 people dying and 57 is the highest that has been deemed from an outside source like that in any modern times the the next one being orlando that was the next biggest one i saw Mm -hmm. and um which is it was almost a year to the day i want to say yeah it was very close to each other you know it was like who's keeping a schedule out there i know right (laughs) it's it's ridiculous and then the one before that was the virginia tech um, shooting. Yeah, which, which massive. Yeah, I mean, the news goes so fast, we almost forget about that. Like, I looked it up. That was back in uh, 2012, man. Oh, 2012. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wait, no, it was before that. No. No, 2012? I'm pretty sure it's 2012. Okay. I could be wrong. Look it up later. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure it's 2000. Uh, okay. I want to say it's 2012 that okay. that happened. Oh, no, no. Um, Wait a minute, you're right. You're right. It was earlier because George Bush was still president. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was Bush earlier was because one guy who wrote a rap song cl- that claimed that it was going, he was going to follow it up yeah. with another mass shooting in the rap song and end up severing eight years for writing a rap song. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, was, just got out it of jail. Was, it was 2000, I heard the interview with him. So. Okay. It was 2008, 2007, around there. Like that's when that yeah. happened. Um, because the stuff I was reading was saying that um, George uh, W. Bush actually went ahead and signed some type of uh, policy or law regarding background checks. So, uh, so that was the Virginia Tech. And then the last one before that was all the way back in uh, 1991. And uh, it was near Fort Hood. What about Texas? Um, was that 97? This is, we're talking about Kill Count. Oh, oh, I see. So, I see. so that's the I way see. these are like you know the, 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 the numbers. The numbers here. So, yeah, I mean that's further down the list, but uh, these are like the top ones. And 
the, the one that happened back in 91 was in uh, it was near Fort Hood, a place called like the, the, the Libby Massacre, where um, this guy in a pickup truck drove his truck into a restaurant intentionally and then hopped out and uh, with two handguns um, began just shooting people indiscriminately. Just right. Yeah. And so, you know, when I was looking at this stuff, I was like, what, what's the common thread in all these besides guns being easily accessible? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's a part of this. But um, I do think that often what's lost in the discussion is that there are some other elements that have to be going on, you know, for the frequency of these events happening and um, the scale. I, I, I don't think people are wrong when they say that there is a men- this is a mental health issue. There's- you know what? I don't know if that's the case. I was going to actually say that. That was the one thing I thought about this. And, you know, people are like, oh, it's too easy for people with mental illnesses to get guns and things like that. Yes. Like, well, first things first, it's kind of, I mean, if you kill a bunch of people, you're mental. I feel like you're kind of ill by definition, right? Yeah, right. No, <laughs> right. no sane person wakes up like, hey, I'm going to go and kill 50 people. Statistics really show that people with mental illnesses actually don't commit any more crime or any more violent crime than people that don't. Yeah. In fact, they're usually victims more so. And, and for the record, the guy that did this shooting, I mean, they said there's no mental illness test you could have put out yeah. that would have gotten that guy. No criminal record whatsoever. Yeah. Exactly. No, I mean, he had a father who had done some bad stuff, mm-hmm. but we're not going to penalize people that for happens. having a father that has bad yeah. stuff. Like, he he was had a clean slate, no mental illness, was considered a really nice guy. Yeah, the you know, Vox video also showed that it's not the it's over exaggerated the mental the mental yeah, yeah I always thought that like over exaggerated I don't know man. I really it's again all the statistics I've seen well, it's actually shows basically. the opposite people who are mentally ill are victims of crimes disproportionately than people who aren't but then again I always say if you're gonna kill fifty people obviously you're not right yeah but where's the test for is this person going to kill? You know, it's like there's, like you said, there's not really necessarily a test if someone exhibits has a normal life for sixty years, if you will, well, at least in in large part, and then one day just wakes up and decides he's going to kill a bunch of people. When I was looking at the most recent mass shootings before Las Vegas, there was an incident that happened in um, Texas. There was an NFL party, an individual that these people knew came into the party with a handgun and shot and killed nine of them. Then he, like, barred himself in the bathroom, tried to, you know, argue with the police. Police ended up uh, trying shooting him, but he ended up shooting himself and killing himself. Uh, when you go back and look into a bit more of the details, you find out that the shooter was going through a divorce with his wife. They were married for two years. He had this job at Texas Instruments. It was a pretty good job. Then he lost that job. So then his wife ended up kind of picking up the slack for the household and stuff that they had. Um, eventually, reports say that she um, saw him not kind of picking up weight and, you know, financially and helping the household, so she got a divorce. And the night of the shooting, there's this individual who's going through a divorce, this guy was seen at a bar drinking. So, you know, we have alcohol involved, and um, we have a, a guy who was going through a very troubled domestic period in his life. And uh, you mix the two. He ends up going home, goes back to um, his wife, and ends up killing her and, um, you know, several of their friends. So then there's an incident before that, right? This one happened in Mississippi a couple months back. He was at a cookout with um, a bunch of family members. 
by all reports and all accounts, the family members who survived this shooting said that um, this individual was mentally disturbed. He was a bully. He was always mean and always violent to begin with. Um, something set him off at this cookout where um, he was arguing with a family member. And he whipped out a gun from behind, shot him, then um, shot a few other people at the cookout, hopped in his car, drove back to like his, um, you know, his ex-wife's place, killed her, killed like you know her new boyfriend, um, then drove somewhere else, killed two more people that this guy knew, and um, then before he was apprehended by the police and actually arrested. Uh, you look into the details of this guy. This guy's mother shot and killed his father. And the reasons behind that was that um, there was a lot of domestic violence where the father was you know, beating up the mother. She tried to take him to court. Uh, the court wouldn't do anything about it. She ended up acquiring a pistol somehow and shooting this guy's father. So you've listed two incidents, both of which you're claiming mental ill instability one, because he was had a bad lot in life, which would be saying that all people who are you know suffering from depression have a major mental illness. And the other of which sounds like this older guy. It's like, do you having bad parents mean that you're now considered mentally unstable? Or we can, yeah. Are you saying that it's genetic mental instability? No, I'm not saying that at all. Um, there's, there's a few more incidents out there. I'm not going to go through them all, but they all distinctly link back to... Um, domestic issues and um, childhood issues. And I'm not saying that everybody who has a mental illness has a breaking point where they'll go ahead and do something like this. But there is a common denominator of domestic violence and um, possible childhood issues that um, these people grow up, end up losing something, maybe feeling ostracized in some way, and then um, committing violence. And um, I mean, that, that's a key trait there that when I was looking through the stuff, I saw over and over and over again is that um, there was a, just an element of like some dysfunction in the household um, that carried on into adult life and uh, a feeling of alienation, isolation. And then these people just pop. So if I'm able to see that somebody who's definitely a lot more qualified than me <laughs> out there can go ahead and see this. issue. So I'm able to say that you've, you've described two instances one of which he had, you know, bad things happen, like people lose their jobs, people get divorced. The other of which, I mean, yes, he was around violence and all that, but are we literally going to declare, like, did either of the, were other of these people have a history in mental hospitals beyond just, you know, one's depressed right now because life sucks and one had a bad mom? I mean, that, that there's just not that link where you can call these people mentally ill. And that's sure. where the slippery know. slope of saying that... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the slippery slope of declaring people mentally ill and saying, therefore, you lose any rights in life. I, I think it's not... How, it's, you cannot simply attribute to one source. I think it's more like... Imagine a balloon that you're just pumping air and air it just slowly, slowly. Because so... In day to day life, you just seem normal, but there are things just keep adding and adding until to a breaking point, as you say, to, it explodes. 
there's a lot of intersecting issues that, um, you know, when eventually the stars align with those issues and it affects a person and they can go ahead and go postal. I, and I agree that, you know, that's not necessarily, um, you know, a definitive sign of like, you know, a, a mental illness per se. I do think that these issues um, affect people's mental state. And um, there's enough cases out there to where we see this happening and over and over again in a repeated fashion to where at the very least we can say that there's something going on in society maybe that maybe triggers some of this stuff. The breakdown of family units and um, or, you know, maybe it's uh, the breakdown of community where these people who feel ostracized and stuff and maybe alienated don't have anywhere to go. There's not enough uh, therapists out there that are accessible or maybe affordable to reach these people. Or there's not a sense of community anymore to go ahead and talk with these um, individuals to maybe alleviate some of this pressure. Then it gets misdirected in a way, in another way. Before you know it, you have you know, 50, 60 people dead. So let's pretend there were all the psychologists in the world available. You know what all of these mass shootings have in common? 100% of them are done by mm-hmm. men. Yeah, And I don't know if you know our gender very well, but we don't tend to ask for help when we need it. And you could make an argument that that's that's society's problem. But for me, for example, I could have all the problems in the world and all the stuff. I'm probably, unfortunately, going to internalize it because that's what I've been taught by society to do. And that's what every man's going to do. We're, We're told from day one. Man up. That's literally a phrase where we're told that's a that we need to suck things that's up. That's quite harmful. Yeah. That's a problem. That's a, right? Is, that is true. There isn't enough attention paid to right. um, uh, mental health issues and issues that just, you know, men deal with in, uh, in Western society in general. It leads to, you know, toxic outbursts and stuff and, and, and things like this. So every time I hear in the news, man, like, you know, this is, we need more laws. We need more laws. We need more, you know, restrictions on guns. That's what we need. I'm like, uh, true, that would go ahead and help, you know, deter some of the issue. But there's still this other glaring thing out there where, that we're not dealing with. We're not, um, you know, fostering um, a society where we're changing this narrative that, that men here growing up and be, and, be conditioned by in order to not reach out for their issues. On top of that, there's a... When we reach a certain age, loneliness becomes a big yeah. part of it. It's if I find myself finding it gets really hard to make. I guess maybe there are ways, but I haven't found a convenient way to make friends. As a lot of my friends are spread out throughout different places, they come and go, and you just kind of not paying attention. It just they're just gone. I think that there's something fundamental about Western. United States uh, brand of capitalism and democracy <coughs> and um, how that permeates through our culture that that maybe leads to s- these type of incidences and in their worst form where somebody, you know, decides that, you know, they're going to go ahead and march through a college campus like in you know Virginia Tech and just, you know, kill people. We you know? are the single most me-centric country in existence, meaning we all have, you know, these big dreams and these big resolutions. Being told from day one, you know, you can do anything, you can be anything in society, and then adulthood not matching that representation. (laughs) And a lot of people combine that with what we just talked about, like people internalizing so they don't feel 
either because like Lawrence said, like people get involved or, you know, get married and then they stay within their little unit and don't reach out. A lot of people feel this entrapped and they're like, hey, what's going on? They can't talk to anybody. They're like, well, society's not going to give me what I want. I'm taking out society. Yeah. And that may be a very big cause here, in addition to easy access to weapons capable of doing that. Because with all that being said, you could still say, or at least I would think men are less violent now generally than ever in history of time. So then why does it seem like this is happening more as far as mass shootings? Well, violence is all at an all-time low, right? You know, in society. I mean, it is, it's one of the safest times to be a human, especially in the United States of America. Right. The odds of you going ahead and walking down the street and getting popped or, you know, um, mm-hmm. being kidnapped by your government or being blown up or something like that is super, Wait, super small. That's my main problem with news, by the way, which if we go back to, that's like my main, main problem. Well, what's your main problem? It's completely misrep. It misrepresents life, like yeah. the way things yeah. are. You know, we focus on things like, let's say, murders and mass shootings. When really, if you die, it's probably in a car accident or because you ate too many cheeseburgers. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, what, if you look at the stats, the amount of people that die from, like, for instance, heart disease yeah. is exponentially higher than like anything. But you know, and that's what I was thinking. I was thinking like this was. Probably a couple years ago, like my girlfriend was going to go to the park. It was getting pretty late, and I was like, you know, what, what are you doing going to the park by yourself? And she was like, well, you know, I have more chance of getting hit by a car and dying in a car accident than anything happening to me at that park. Yeah. And I always say, that's like my main problem with news. Like, if you follow news, you think you're going to walk outside and, like, someone's just going to stab you. Or, you know, it's just like, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like you think, that. yeah, the end of the world it is happening. You watch too much news, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a story. They want something, you know, if News All Day just reported about, well, today this amount of people died from heart disease, so watch your diet, or, you know, yeah. no one's <laughs> Yeah, right. Watch Get some greens in there, man. Exactly. They're a direct representation of what we want to hear, clearly. Sure. Because yeah. if there's a mass shootings, I mean, you were talking about the guy jumping for joy. I mean, it's true. Reporting on those mass shootings. A lot more interesting than reporting, yeah, and some other guys go. The other thing is it makes, it kind of is almost that tingly fear where you're like, I'm perfectly healthy. I'm not really at risk for heart disease. I could just go out into the world and get shot. That kind of excites you Mm. and energizes. It feels like, you know, if you could do something about it, hey, maybe maybe that percentage won't be there. And that's what excites you and that's what draws you into the news. You know what, too? When I was researching stuff about the Virginia Czech shootings, the um, guy's name is like um, Suhi Cho, mm-hmm. and um, they, they compiled this huge record of this guy's history and stuff. They talked to everybody who knew him, tried to go ahead and dissect why this guy did what he did. And um, one defining incident, this guy was, he, he came from uh, South Korea, mm-hmm. and one of the big things is that when he came to the United States, put into an American school system, was immediately just isolated, alienated. Um, you couldn't talk to anybody, you know, didn't, couldn't, didn't, was in this new society. Somebody was saying that when the Columbine shootings, ha- shootings happened, that Cho was mesmerized by that on the news and watched it consistently over and over and over again. And that stuck with him all the way up to college. And his eventual, you know, uh, massacre in his mass shooting. People become celebrities or infamous. Yeah, he was. A, oh, yeah, he was. I can see he that. was enamored with the idea of like you know uh, 
being plastered all over the news. Oh, yeah. And because uh, he sent a manifesto, like a huge box of stuff, um, to uh, like the New York <laughs> Times, CNN, and everything. They had pictures of him all geared up and stuff. Like you know, he was you know some type of Quentin Tarantino character. You know, and he was enamored by that. So you know, the media can also, I think cause some of this stuff, and, right? And a lot of people have said that. Um, and this actually leads to our topic from two weeks ago. You recall that the uh, ex-military gentleman mm-hmm. at the table, his, his name escapes me. Yeah, Ed. Um, Ed, he was talking about how he wants the KKK to be out there instead of secretive because at that point you can start to black them out. You, we've heard about this big walk, mm-hmm. uh, march and the <coughs> counter-protests and everything out. I mean, it's said that the KKK did that. In another instance, uh, and I forgot the state, Mm -hmm. KKK had another demonstration. This time, the police actually made a surrounding circle and refused to let media anywhere Mm. close to them. They broke up the protest after 20 minutes because at that point they were protesting to themselves. And so that's not making any news. So people are enamored by being on the news, being on the news. There's actually a movement that I've seen which says... We need to not know these people's name or story at all. Instead of finding out every detail, I mean, we're t- we were talking about this, you know, closet guy, lonely, wants to, you know, be heard by society. Mm-hmm. If they see other people that are like that, getting their name on the news and getting their story mm-hmm. told, they feel validated yeah. and that may be causing the problem. Yeah, yeah. I, like, agree. Uh, that, that, I agree. I agree. Finally, true. somebody's going to hear me. You know, yeah. I can kill all these people. <laughs> they're going to they're going to hear what I have to say. You know, I agree. I won't, I won't be in the shadows any longer. But uh, yeah, man, the, it's like. The, but the, the fundamental problem is that there is something definitely going on with. Um, I think our society and um, uh, there there there's there's an element to our culture. You know, um, hyper uh, consumer culture, materialism. Um, you know this. This isolation, separation, yeah, and, and separation. <laughs> and you're right, though. Now that you think about it, like as I'm getting older, I'm 32, and um, I find it increasingly harder to go ahead and uh, make you know new friends and meet new people. I, I think you know there's a lot of intersecting issues in that. One of them being is that you know got to make money, man. Got to make a living. <laughs> Wages aren't going up, and uh, you know things are getting more expensive, which means that. I have to spend more time at my job, you know, acquiring, um, you know, green pieces of paper in order to go ahead and, you know, pay all the bills I have in my life to, to go ahead and, uh, keep down this never ending, like, you know, just pile of like debt that slowly, like, is just getting bigger <laughs> and bigger. It's like, you know, so much of my life now is like not dedicated to building community, but just sur- surviving right, in right. this weird, first world uh, game we've created for ourselves in society. Well, at 32, you'll have been right in the middle of the Sally Mae uh, debacle, <laughs> so that would be a bad age to be. <laughs> yeah. You got, yeah, you got, yeah. you got, your generation seriously got wrecked between Sally oh, Mae and the, oh, yeah. uh, and the school's requirement to get the rankings up with fake stuff. Man, you think people, I keep saying this, you think that, like, you know, older, an older generation of Americans are pissed now, right? You know, they see that, you know, they, they, they work their entire life, you know, they bought into this idea of social security and, like, maybe pensions and stuff and being able to retire. And this baby boober generation is now in the retirement stage. And they're looking at their bank accounts and they're like, this social security check ain't paying it. 
Um, you know, this Medicare is okay, but, you know, eventually that runs out. And um, I got to get up at 7 a.m. to go work at Walmart. And, yeah. like, you know, and I've worked my entire life. My saving, my, my retirement account got wiped out in 2007 or 2008 during the Great Recession, right. you know. And it's like, here I am sitting at the job I've been working for the past 20 years or so. And everybody around me is, like, in their 20s or something like that. And I sure. can't retire. I got to keep going. That, I think, is just going to get worse. Oh, I yeah. mean, you're, you're going to see, you know, people of my generation <laughs> eventually reach that age, and there ain't going to be jack shit the well, way things right. are going, What's man. worse is that they actually allowed for loans that have an interest rate so low that you don't actually pay off the interest on a month-to-month basis, meaning there are some people saddled with college debt that will never actually be out of college debt, <laughs> and because of the way that the rules of Sally May went, unless somebody... And I have to think that this is going to happen eventually, unless somebody changes oh the rule of Sallow and May retroactively, you're not allowed to declare bankruptcy. So it's, it's a sad thing that happened to your generation. You know? You're going to see this generation say, it doesn't even matter for me to pay this back. Yeah, it's, it's just a- like, what's the point? You know, I, um, I'm working at this job, barely being paid enough to like, afford this apartment. You know, I can't save money for my retirement. I have a significant other and we're both barely making it, you know, and you're going to see more and more people just be like, I don't care about the student loan. It means absolutely nothing to me, you know, like. But not caring becomes such a non-option under uh, under the old Sally May rule. Luckily, they've sure. changed it in the mm-hmm. last four years. Yeah. That's still not helping your generation. No. But in the old uh, the Sally May rule, yeah. laws, okay, I don't care about the loan. Even if you go on to welfare, mm-hmm. don't garnish your welfare yeah, yeah. in order to pay off That's Sally May's it's insane, right? thing. Yeah. It is absolutely ridiculous it's insane. Yeah, you're what, right. you're that, right. yeah. what happened to your generation and combined with schools tripling in price because ranking became so important to schools mm-hmm. and you ended up with mm-hmm. a not better education than my generation. You can't even bankrupt it. You can't even bankrupt it. You can't? You know, you can't. You can't even, you cannot even bankrupt it. You can't, there can never be a point where you'd be like 70 years old and be like, look, I've been trying to pay you guys back, but it didn't work out. (laughs) Most of this is bad enough where you generally, in order to get it on, your parents had to sign a piece of paper without thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And if you stop paying yourself, your student loans, suddenly their wages get Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No matter where you go, you can't get rid of them. They're stuck. And and people are going to be pissed. People are going to get, there's going to be a generation of people who are going to be mad. They're going to be super mad. I have Things to believe White House is going to come down with something on that retroactively, like got apply some of Sally May's new rules and stuff like that. You got to. You're going to be like, man, like, look, this, <laughs> I can't get a job. These robots are doing everything around me, <laughs> but I'm still paying this loan. What? You know, right. what, what's going on here? And uh, so, you know what I did there. Let's go ahead and get yeah. into some, uh, some, yeah. some AI talk. So, Quark, why do you want to talk about AI, man? Why, 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 does, why, why is it... Um... <clears throat> It's it's something something I've been interested in for the last couple of years. Um, I've read some books about it that have um, made some points that I think is true. Like, at first, I never really thought much of it. And then I kind of thought it was just exaggerated. Like, oh, iRobot's never going to happen. Or, you know, Terminator's bullshit or something like that. I hope Terminator's bullshit. Me too. (laughs) Um... But the last couple of years, I've kind of, um, well, I read a book called Super Intelligence. I don't know if anyone's 
No, uh, do tell. I read it's a, a book by a Swedish philosopher, uh, Nick Bastrom, and he pretty much talks about how, um, well, the book's essentially about how um, we're eventually going to get to a point where we design something that could be existentially harmful to us as humans. Um, and after reading that, it definitely changed my perspective on everything. Um, and I really, I'm, I'm in the camp where I feel like it's something that we really have to be on the lookout for because best, well, I guess, let's say best case scenario, we're not going to get to that point for, let's say, a hundred years, which I think will be way before. Even if it's that, that's still something that we need to be thinking about now. I think it's going to be such an existential, um, uh, um, kind of event for humans that it's you know something that we should think about i firstly think that generally as mainstream we're not paying enough attention to it and when we do it's more kind of in the comical again i robot terminator way of thinking about it which isn't the way i necessarily think about it so it's just something that i'm it's it's interesting to me that i think people we, we should be paying more attention well i mean like so what's this thing that's coming we're gonna admit uh, well what what type of thing uh, I think eventually we're a little bit away now with, you know, something way more advanced than, let's say, Siri or Google Voice, for instance. But I think we're eventually going to get to a point where we create something that can make changes to its own source code, if you will. And I'm not a programmer, so I, but I think it's essentially something mm-hmm. to that. Uh, when, and, you know, if you look at intelligence, let's just say information processing and retention... I mean, it's going to get to a point where electrons move a lot faster than what we have in our brains, essentially, mm-hmm. no, the neurons, if you will. It's going to get to a point where it's learning so quickly, it's going to be ahead of us as far as its comprehension. And then we can also look at a point where it can become super intelligent, but without being conscious, which is scary. So it almost does everything by autopilot. You know, like it's essentially like a computer now, where... You give it a command, it does it. It, just, it like, doesn't this, think. This runaway algorithm, it'll just go into that's where exactly. you just will not be able to stop it. I think that is the eventual, that's, that's the eventuality. That's right. pretty, uh, that's pretty <clears throat> bonkers. That's pretty nuts more and more I think about it. Because <clears throat> it makes me think about that, um, that experiment that uh, Facebook was doing. Uh, where they created mm-hmm. these two programs that were like talking to each other, yeah. quote unquote. <clears throat> and, um... So they let they, they turned on these two um, simulated like AI computers, uh, supercomputers, and they uh, just watched these computers have a conversation. And then the conversation got to a point where it's, it was apparent that these two computers knew what they were saying to each other, but it was completely indecipherable to us what they were talking about. So was, I, I in recognizing that that would probably come up at this meeting yeah. i had heard passively that that wasn't what happened at all and had taken it at face value but i've actually looked into the details mm-hmm. on the greatly over exaggerated story so yeah. what happened was two computers were supposed to represent you know a person attempting to purchase and somebody attempting to communicate them Mm -hmm. and they had a certain number of objects which they had to communicate that these objects need to get over here and what actually happened was bad programming so computer ai siri and all these things are made to try to 
pull out certain relevant words mm -hmm. that go with something and ignore every other word because they're not advanced enough to be able to contextualize an entire sentence. Mm. So what happened was with this bad programming is they didn't reward the computer for saying all the irrelevant words. So it looked out and tried to find conversation pieces, picked out the words that it knew, decided that repeating the same word, and because they were both based on the same programming, the other system picked it up. This isn't the first time it's going to happen. It's not the last. They just they didn't learn how to speak English properly, so they were using a shorthand where they would just say the word I, 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 yeah, I, yeah. I, and the other computer said, oh, I need to move five items. And that was literally all that happened in the system. It wasn't oh, a big deal. Right. It was actually just bad programming that a story got out to, I forgot the name of the the media group, and they just blew up this ridiculous story of the AI it's everywhere. language it's like creator. Crunch and yeah. stuff like that. It's so, like on a lot of sites now. Yeah, just look up the, the actual story behind the story, and it's really a nothing thing. It's bad programming that they shut down so that they could reprogram the computers and reward them to, for speaking a little better English. Problem solved. I think well, well, if you imagine being being jeopardy by someone who misuse uh, AI before AI become conscious, because <laughs> I, I think human error, human error, or human, humanity itself, it's <clears throat> can be as big as own challenge before or sure. proverbial thing the uh, the Skynet moment. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of one of my things. It's like, I guess in a perfect world, we may stop maybe right before we get to that point and then kind of all have like a giant, let's say, Manhattan project. Hey, how are we going to do this? How are we going to handle this? But in reality, you know, Facebook's competing with Google, it's competing with Apple, we're competing with China and Russia. We're all, it's, it's, it's almost like a zero-sum game who the first thing country person you know a company whatever that i guess reaches that point mm -hmm. could potentially become like the most powerful person in the world overnight yeah i think that would um you know we're, we're damn sure it's close like, to it i mean i i would say that um there's these computers out there that are crunching these numbers and trying to predict what a human would want before they would know that they want it right, right. and um with Things like social media that makes <clears throat> that makes that a very, you know, Easy, a very much, easier much easier thing to do. I mean, it's a difficult process, I imagine. But uh, when you are constantly uploading things that you like and things that you want, and um, million billions of people are out here doing this um, simultaneously, I, I imagine that it, you know it's not too big of a next step for um, some you know big data crunching type of uh, company out there or or think tank group or you know or sponsored um institution to come up with some way to crunch this data in a manner they could start predicting human trends and then um start guiding society mm -hmm. in certain directions and we won't even know it so i mean one that already happens these days as far as the number i mean you you mentioned the number crunching in google analytics people pull it up see what people are trending yeah. and already predict yeah. everything towards and push them towards that area and most of us don't think that on a day-to-day -day basis mm -hmm. but that's almost okay what ai does right now and 
the reason we don't have anything close to true AI, all it does is follows an algorithm that says, if I see this, do sure. this. And the number of branches on that algorithm are the limiting factor on what a computer can do. You would literally need to be able to introduce a randomizer that would change these algorithms to the point where it would go beyond that. And similar to finding the information and what goes on, and similar to the blue, uh, big blue experiment in chess, what's always been found to be true, and I think what will continually be true for centuries and centuries and centuries, especially since we're leaving the Industrial Revolution number two, what I think is going to continue to be true, a human and a machine working together are going to be inherently better than either of them working alone. You'll you ever get to a point where the machine will, because even now, like what you ha what we have right now, isn't true true AI. Nowhere close. No, exactly. No, I, I'm with you on that. Like, let's say serial. No, that's not actual AI. Um, but you don't think they'll ever get to a point where, let's say, instead of it just following an algorithm, like you know, these are the options I have for this situation. These are the options that you know always pick. Let's say the one that I think is best. It's going to start essentially creating, I wouldn't say creating its own options, but I mean so in the fact like... Um, Writing its own code and stuff Exactly. Because like that? That, isn't that going to be like what we kind of want it to do eventually? So we that's really want it, it to help us? It's always under ideal. And in the spirit of helping us, like I do have IntelliSense that tells me you should probably put this code over here to improve your code and it'll execute a little bit faster. So computer and I already kind of work together on that. But to make something work outside of its context, I'm probably going to say we're going to figure out the human genome and be able to create more efficient brains to do that mm -hmm. before we actually have a computer AI that is capable really? of that level. Right. I think a few weeks, some weeks ago, I read about machine learning on YouTube. It's a very fascinating topic. But what well, comes away is there's, there's certain, like you said, there are limitations. Like the machine algorithm to actually to do to be able to estimate everything to build a model, you require a lot more data, a lot more computing power to actually. So what happened is that the hum the humans, the find who embed these machine learning, find use use like kind of heuristics, heuristic mathematical tools to help the machine cut down the processing it takes. So what it comes down to, the machine won't be good at, as Dave said, a certain a much more prescribed task. Unlike humans, we could have more modular thinking. We could have the different modules we, uh, we learn as we grow. We can piece them together. We can, we can, uh, we can adapt more than machines do. Well, what's the definition of artificial intelligence? So to me, intelligence is just processing and retaining information. Okay. Artificial would mean an artificial. I think what we're getting to. Yeah, no, okay, yeah. What, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to express here is like, well, what is, yeah, what is intelligence? What's the definition here? What's the... Yeah. I, I think we're talking, when we're talking about artificial intelligence, we're taking the definition to mean that the computer can go beyond its programming and make decision points that were in no way um, defined by its creator. But yeah. aren't we, I mean, are you saying that as humans we do that? If you were to recreate a human being and let's say I 
my mom didn't know the decisions I'm going to make. I kind of, I mean, she tried to control for as many factors as she could and, you know, give me the upbringing and stuff that she thought would make the derivatively perfect human being. But there were a lot of random things that I just went off and did responding to other outside influences and pulling that information in and processing into new skills, many of which she doesn't have or would have ever anticipated that I would have. But isn't there some core programming inside of our DNA hardwired to go ahead and quote unquote run? I mean, our goal is to survive long enough to reproduce, right? Sure. And so, but so isn't that a imperative? Isn't that a directive? Isn't everything that we do still with inside of that hard coded context? I you mean, know? my goal is no kind longer of. just to live and reproduce. Like, I've made the decision to not have children so the reproduction is out there mm. i do want to survive but living alone is not enough for me anymore at this point i have my own arbitrary set of goals of moving around the world even though it's probably the most not the most efficient way to live <laughs> and um i've i'm no longer having gotten married i no longer try to spread my seed to as many suitable mates as possible like the animal algorithm would say so i've gone mm -hmm. well beyond my programming i would say well so you're a human to me that's like that's human really a human yeah well you know i i, I would you know play devil's advocate i would say that you know a, a lot of the things that you're doing are self-protective kind of rationalizations to um you know cope with maybe not doing certain, um, I guess, uh, genetic imperatives. Like, all right, so you, you know, may not want to have children, you know, but you still have, um, you know, sexual urges, right? Sure. You, you, you still act on those urges, you know, sometime sure. or another. And um, when you don't act on those urges, you know, maybe something else is going on out there, that that's preventing you, but but I, I guess that that essence is still there. Maybe is what I'm getting to. I'm trying to think this well, through in real the, time. Well, to the seven layers of Buddhist philosophy. I mean, I've got all the major low tiers taken care of. I don't have any need for food or shelter. I've got that taken care of, and life is going to take care of that. Food, shelter, sleep. Mm -hmm. I've got my emotional need taken care of. I've kind yeah. of stabilized myself. I've got my love need taken care of. Uh, I've fallen in love in life. And yes, the fourth tier is actually your sexual need. And I've got mm -hmm. my sexual need taken care of. So at that point, I can be exploring like the levels beyond and, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh. Uh, I don't believe in suffrage. So, of course, I'll never be a Buddhist. But I mm -hmm. can I can start to look at the more, um, I'm atheist, but I'll call it spiritual yeah. um, needs and fulfillments that you can But I guess does that mean anything does it you know, genetically? So that's the key. And does a, that mean a, a computer would say, hey, this is inefficient. Let's get rid of it. A human says, this is what I feel like I need. It doesn't mean anything genetically. I'm still going to do it. And therefore, I've gone outside of my programming. But ultimately, it's inefficient. For the, I guess if you're looking at it in a very, very wide context of like the human race, mm -hmm. really, is it efficient? Which I'd say no. I mean, not really. Yeah. If you're looking at it just as far as we should be spreading as much as possible, you know, if you're looking at just in that plain kind of hardcore, like, evolutionary sense of surviving and replicating, I would say, ultimately, if you're looking at it from a very wide lens, it's counterproductive for us mm. to be like It this. is. 
Oh, go ahead. Which I was going to say takes me to it. Another thing that I heard about AI, which let's say it does get to that point where it, the singularity and it's able to learn it like... Someone said, estimate like 20,000 years of human progress per week that quickly. Mm-hmm. Would it then supersede us in importance? Well, I mean, I, I think... Maybe I would say yes. Well, maybe that question is circular because we're defining the, the, the importance. You know, what is what is what is important? Okay, so let's That's, say... Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, uh, well, I think what human finding what's ultimately important is not necessarily going to be the same with, as you say, like the machine would. Yeah, like who's, who's creating these, these standards, you know? I mean... Like, like there are people my find, right now might find... A, Acquiring wealth is important, but later on they will find and turn up hollow as they don't have friends and find relationships and people around having good people around them is much more imperative. Well, I mean, as far as human race surviving and replicating. So as far as that's concerned, I mean... It goes back to the hard coding. It goes back uh, to surviving and replicating, yeah. right? Well, but just real quick, like, I mean, it's in, like, let's say that. Where eventually humans are gonna, I feel like, have to leave Earth. Because Either we're gonna mess it up, overpopulation. Some of us or all of us are gonna have to leave Earth, yeah. right? All now, that's back to our hard coding. Right? The nearest habitable planet, I guess, other than Mars, which isn't really habitable right now, at least, as I believe the, with our technology, it's like seventy thousand years it'll take us to get there. I mm-hmm. think it's, it's something like that. Let's say an AI becomes sentient. It will probably be able to figure out a way much quicker than we would to be able to get there. And mm-hmm. if our ultimate goal as a race is to survive and spread, yeah, wouldn't it then become, I guess, in some ways, more important than us? Because it would be able to essentially hmm. help us explore yeah. a lot quicker than we would if it was just us. It's kind of mm-hmm. what I was getting. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you know, we 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 still created it though and gave it that imperative, right? Well, didn't we just define AI as going outside of your imperatives? That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So the, well, I think I guess, go for it. I, I was going to say, like, a lot of this is going really far down the line of fiat. Like, let's pretend a computer could upgrade the next generation of itself. Wouldn't AI get to the point where it would say, hey, if I create the next AI, I'll be outdated. So therefore, it's in my best interest to not create the next AI? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I that's a no. That's a good point. So you know, is a component of intelligence is um, you know is watching out for self preservation and, and survival. You know, I mean, we're, we're we're giving a lot of human attributes to the idea of what is what, what something is sure. intelligence, and um, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm not so sure that. Uh, I mean, I mean, I guess that's the that's the only frame of reference, right? <laughs> Absolutely, right. So. It's uh, it's hard to think outside of that framework, you know. It's uh, <laughs> it's impossible. Um, and I'm going to assume no. that once we get to that point, we will be keep things in containment boxes. Because yeah, one guy can go crazy, and then another guy can turn off the power system because that one guy went crazy and created super AI that wants to destroy the world. But as far as the, that would require just an amount of cooperation that I don't think we have yet. Right. Because let's say, if, let's say uh, it, AI, let's say that kind of AI is invented here, mm-hmm. and we're like, oh shit, you know, we need to keep this under wraps, and we're sensible with it. 
Well, I'm sure in China and in Russia, you know, mm. they're not, they're probably thinking, no, we need to do what we need to do. So, I mean, imagine if it, if North Korea gets it. Uh, Putin's already been quoted as saying the ne- the next yeah. generate the power of the next generation will be dependent on who's able to most efficiently create AI. Sure. And he's actually even talking about a much more limited AI, as in an AI that can distinguish between one type of human and another, mm-hmm. i.e., a Russian and a non-Russian, as an example, and take them down. So that's that's something we're much closer to sure. than these mm-hmm. deep thinking AIs. Yeah, I and mean, we've already got facial recognition going on. I'm still kind of deep in this like radical thinking of like, you know, I mean, how how much are we in control of really our own destiny? I mean, how how I mean, have we really even escaped our base programming as as um you know as no. or, as, as an organism? I mean, no. I mean, I, I, can I pose the question? You know, I mean, are I mean, are are we really you know intelligent? Or are or is all of this here just manifestations, higher level manifestations of like a base need? And I think it goes back to the Buddhist philosophy that I do respect. I mean, you've got tiers. Like once you take care of the physical needs, then you can go on to making sure your emotional needs are taken care of. Make sure you have your love needs taken care of, whatever that's defined as for you. And then you get to go further and further. Your spiritual needs, feeling connection to the world. There is no end. There, right. And we don't even know. It's just like, keeping yourself busy. Right. right. And, that, <laughs> and there will be a point. I mean, a lot of jobs are going out. No, it's probably not going to be 2025 or really anytime soon. There will be a point where a lot less jobs are needed than are going to be produced. And there will be higher unemployment and stuff like that. Yeah, let's that, see how we handle that. That's going to be interesting. I think we'll handle it just the way we are now already. Less like for the fact that job growth has been so high. Job growth for things that do not require a college degree is less than 1% of the jobs that have been created since 1970. Yeah. Um, we'll see how important the college degree is, right? You know, yeah. um, you yeah. know, coming here in the future, I think that those right. standards are going to go ahead and um, gonna have, to, have to change. Absolutely. Have to. It's already becoming meaningless to have a BA or a BS, yeah, right? It's pretty like, much. In most cases, <laughs> yes. you, 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 know, you buy it online, you know, I mean, in yeah. Phoenix, you know, where, where would you get it? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I mean, every, everything's going to be, you know, your, your skills, you know, your demonstrable, I think, work experience in the future is, um, you know, what have you done? Sure. And because that's really, I think, the only accurate measure of measurement is like, where have you been in the past? You know, you know what work have you done? Um, you know, this paper here, you going through a lot of this formal, I guess, more intellectualized, uh, you know, education doesn't mean, I guess, much. You know, how, how are you out in the field? You know, what did you accomplish in the field? I've made that argument and I'd love to believe that's true. But I honestly think there will always be that archaic thing of did you get your piece of paper? Unfortunately, I think people who don't get for the fact that Cal- oh, no, I man. hate Sally Mae so much and all that and what it did and how, how much college costs. I think it's a base requirement. If somebody gets out there without a job, a piece of paper, they might as well, well yeah. kiss job propositions goodbye. I, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you as in like, you know, from the perspective of somebody coming into the workforce. But I guess more of what I'm talking about, if you're going to um, find a job that has meaning or maybe from an employer's perspective, you know, it's like your, your paperwork aside, you know, how valuable of an asset are you, you know, to this company right but you do have the paperwork as a prerequisite to get into the door to prove that yeah but you know at the same time is like is the ceo even making is an employer 
even like consciously thinking about that paperwork or is it just like it's just going to be a baseline standard right yeah, as somewhere. in like you know uh you know you go online uh, fill out an application you know you you put in all your marks and stuff it won't even hit the guy's you know the hr's desk if it doesn't have a check mark box sure. for you know you got your ba or, or or whatever i don't know but you know humans can surprise us i mean i mean right. employers can go ahead and break that that system well, if they, they can so make choose. it worse and choose to start looking for masters yeah. And they're tending to go to the other way, right? Looking now. for what, what, the master's degrees? Oh, yeah, yeah. Companies out there where um, they look for specific talent, you know, that's beyond, um, you know, just the rudimentary, you know, you got the BA or you got your master's and stuff. I, or, you know, going through the norm of a stack of resumes on you know, from, from HR. I think that um, there's some companies looking outside of that model. Um, genetics. I think that's going to be the next. Then that's going to be the next thing. thing. Also, and, and I think genetics is the much scarier Gattaca. aspect than AI could ever be. Because I, I think I think we're actually closer to the more human immediate. genome. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I want to say even it was some something Congress signed. This was a few months ago. Along with that, the whole I guess bill with the internet, mm-hmm. with the internet providers. But it was something that, um, or no, it hasn't been signed. It was introduced a bill. Which, you know, you know how these things start. It's introduced yeah. in years and years of lobbying where employers can actually, like, have access to, like, your medical results or something like that. And I was thinking just how easy it is now to do those genetic tests. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm thinking that's going to be the way because they don't want to hire someone. Well, obviously, they wanna, they're going to have some kind of test to check your intelligence and your history. But yeah. they also don't want to hire someone with a history of disease because they don't want to have to, you know, foot any kind of bill or... That is yeah, true too. Minimize that would be fascinating. Yeah. I never, I never that's thought insane. of the genetic testing for employment. That's yeah, right. I'm telling. You, I'm like, in 20 years. I'm like, that's what they're going to start doing. Oh, you have a predisposition well. for um, being addicted to certain types of substances. I don't exactly. think you're nice. it's something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah you're, you're a little bit loose. Yeah. You know, we only <laughs> we only even hire squares. Yeah, that and your yeah. internet. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, get the point where they're just typing your social and just. But I think there'll be a rejection from that, though. I I, I don't think that uh, I don't think that humanity will tolerate that. I think that that type of system will break down. We've uh, we've already got say, we've already know. gotten that block. He, I'm, he's completely right on that one. Like already, there's been a request by the government to just type in somebody's social security number to make sure that they're a legal mm-hmm. immigrant. And that's getting backlash. I mean, yeah. there's the yeah. ty- type in a number because it'd be so easy to like scan somebody's driver's license. Mm-hmm. Can you buy a gun from me? We're at a gun show. Pop. Okay. Yes, you can. I mean, we're at that point, but it's being blocked. Yeah, I, we're getting there, and I think you know the, the counter argument is always like, well, generations. I was gonna say it's being blocked right? now, but yeah, it's like the I next was, generation comes, they're more used to it, and they're more used to it, used to it. But I still think that there is a point. There, there is a point where it's like blatant, no matter. On what conditioning you have, I think that um, you know you're systematically you know being controlled in a in, in a way that is impossible for you to act freely, mm-hmm. and um, I think that humans will naturally reject because that's against their own survival. You know, I mean, right. getting back to genetics here is that if you're in this you know hypothetical future, right, and uh, <laughs> you're in this world where it's getting to the point where the only way you're able to survive is if you have certain type of genetics. Well, well, you know, you're going to instantly reject that. You're like, well, if I'm not chosen, that means that I die. That means that I can't survive in this world. And um, I'm here and I want to survive. So, you know, people are going to go ahead and um, definitely, I think, uh, you know, reject that, man. I don't know. 
That's yeah. an immediate. I, I kind of. That's a more immediate, like genetic, like gene doping. I've been hearing about now. Gene like, doping. Gene doping. Where instead of taking like steroids and stuff, they're trying to like find wow. ways to just go and alter your genes completely. Oh like, man! And you know, What's I would say, can't like parents like pick out the color of their kids? I don't know, like yeah. something like that already. And man, that is just a slippery slope. We're heading down with all that stuff. Right? Sure, you hear that like on the black like, market, oh, right? You know, I'm serious. Hey, man, you got some genes for some like green eyes. Well, it's been going since the 1930s. Eugenics. Yeah. Eugenics so, you know, I'm was thinking, huge. Like, well, yeah. the point where, oh crap, my kid's gonna have a disability or something. Oh, I don't want him. Well, we're already at that point. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I just think like, or he may not be smart. His, you know, this gene test tells me like he may not be this smart. very smart person. Exactly. Or right. just you know, little, when it's just like got an ugly one. Let's try again. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, look at that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this one's cross-eyed, man. <sighs> I'm have to toss that back in the bin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna have to, to renege. Yeah. Redeal me on that. That's. I don't know. It's um, those are some scary propositions. Um, I mean, uh, the biggest struggles for us right now even keep up with um, this innovation, and that's the problem. Is like you know, the the faster and faster things go, the less we're able to keep up with it, which um, which means we kind of lose control of it, and uh, we can't be in control of this progression of technology. You know, I I think it crashes in this metaphorical car. You know, I think so. Yeah, let's see, Matty just. Really, this well, not really. I'll you know, nineties, I guess, mm-hmm. really with internet, and that was when it started. I'd say, and then once the iPhone came out, yeah, then it just really. So that's the fear of the um, the the chessboard model, which was the big talk, second machine age, artificial intelligence, all this, where every eighteen months that technology doubles and eventually mm-hmm. get out of control. Last five years, things have been going at such an abysmally slow rate sure. that we're starting to run into, hey, wait a second, this isn't real AI, and we don't know how to get to the next step. The iPhone's got a better camera now. That makes <laughs> oh, no, it better, it's right? Yeah, like it's the, center, the yeah. last couple <laughs> upgrades has been a little bit of screen size that's true. and a little bit of battery size, and that's it. So we're actually getting to the point where we're getting technologies we can keep up. And yes, getting... We, we've got some artificial genetic breakup and that uh, backup where ethics things has prevented the the uh, it from getting through but slowly people are breaking those barriers and getting that out that may be the next push but that's only because the technology's here we've left the second machine age and I think what you're going to see politicians complaining about and complaining about slow growth slow growth you're going to hear that for probably the next 100 200 years. Because we've hit the end of our uh, revolution, and we've got to wait for the next one. The next 200 years, man. Yeah, we're still around see, doing the same shit 200 years from now. <laughs> it's game over. We might as well just hang it up and uh, toss yeah. it out, man. If we're, if we're still going through like Donald Trump's and shit in 200 years okay. from now, it's over. I think that's enough uh, proof right there that uh, we, we couldn't make it. Yeah. We couldn't, we couldn't uh, break out the box. I mean... Uh, I don't know. I think that, yeah, I think that that sounds about right. I mean, but maybe entering an age of like efficiency, you know, yeah. where we are kind of um, uh, mastering the technology that we have came up with. You know, that's happened in the past too, right? Yeah, I agree. You Especially know, with, with, the, with, with uh, engineering, you know, in the first industrial age and stuff, we really mastered kind of the fundamentals of, 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 of engineering and uh, kind of you know, mass planning. Then once we got that down, you know, something came along. Oh, 
well, now that we know these fundamental concepts of this stuff, let's try exploring this new thing. So, yeah, it, it would take a long time for us, I think, to go ahead and become really efficient at the information processing that, you know, all the tools we've created. And uh, But we may have machines that can go ahead and speed up that process, right? Yeah, I feel yeah. okay, this is, I feel like... Uh, We're not anyway, doing long-form math anymore here trying to figure out stuff, yeah. I feel like human beings, only way to actually survive would be that point with AI. And I mean, ultimately, I'm not talking about yeah. the next 50 years. Or I mean, it would be to... Because, again, I mean, there's only so smart human beings can get incrementally. It's going to have to be something outside of ourselves to take us off of this planet. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, again, this is something I think, I think we're eventually going to just melt, melt our consciousness with AI. Yeah. So that way we can, we all technically live forever. We're going to be like in the pools, like a minority report. Remember that movie? Where yeah, not our physical just, bodies, just our consciousness. Finding out with an AI, yeah, yeah, and then get us off this planet. And, uh, yeah. Well, out of this solar system. I out of the solar system. Really not the planet. So it's with the AI. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's. I, I don't even know how that looks, man. I, I immediately get like. Pictures of in my head of like the Matrix when it was like on a pod, and he's like you know jacked into this uh, huge column. I don't know, you know. I mean, part of me thinks that maybe we'll go ahead and take this technology, we'll, we'll use it to create a perfect uh, synchronicity between humanity and the planet that we're on. You know, I think that that's a possibility too. That um, instead of going to the stars, you know, maybe. Something bad does happen on this planet that reduces uh, um, our population significantly. And the people who are left um, um, learn and they switch their ideology from infinite growth in a certain direction to a paradigm that has to deal with a synchronicity, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, we create technology that um, just, just allows us to exist perpetually in a certain state. You'd hope so, but I haven't seen any examples. I mean, if anything, one thing we are programmed to do is take ourselves the most into consideration. I mean, the whole selfish gene idea where we are set to make ourselves the best there, so somebody will inevitably want more power and realize they have to go outside this structure. And it really only takes a small part of the population because then the other population's like, hey, wait a second, they've got that advantage. We I mean, that, that's how genetics have works. That's the reason I'm six foot tall instead of the five foot tall of not a thousand years ago or whatnot. I mean, my, my ancestors decided, hey, I need, need a little bit more food. And suddenly you've got a six-foot David running around. So. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think that I think if, if there was some type of cataclysm, you know, so, some in something that uh, awakened human mindset to maybe or pay attention to different things that, uh, you know, that could be a path where we just create a perfect um, biosphere we, and we exist in that. I, I, think, I don't think that's too far out of the scope. We, we see it in organisms. You know, we see organisms that um, perpetually regenerate itself, renew itself, you know, just exist indefinitely, perfected that tiny gene set, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't become more evolved, but it doesn't um, degenerate either. It just, it just cycles itself over and over and over again. I don't see why that couldn't be a, a possibility. Not impossible, but I don't foresee the human race going that way at any time soon. But I, I foresee that... Uh -huh us as a selfish race in general and we'll use whatever's around and 
people will want to get out of any structure you try to put them in. Right. That's otherwise it won't be human. I mean, the world of the perfect people. Uh, what was the the uh, Dulliver's Travels talked about the human perfect people where they would just sit in the room mm-hmm. blind and wouldn't do anything, and that was what made them perfect. And um, they offered him perfection which he was about to take and then he noticed that none of them could see and none of them were doing anything and so he chose to push it down. Gulliver's Travel was a fascinating book well ahead of its time. But hey, let's uh, move on to, let's get, let's go back and get grounded. So speaking of selfishness. <laughs> yeah, taxes. Taxes, right? Taxes, yeah. What are we talking about? Uh, Have you, okay, so has anyone been following this? Here in the area. Because yes. as far as I know, and again, this is me doing basic research, mm-hmm. It's just all, hey, we have a plan. This is kind of what we want to do. We'll get back to the details. So they have introduced the details, yeah, and okay. they are all... I mean, it's it's a plan that does two things. One, it perpetuates the Republican ultimate plan to make it look like they're doing a ton for the middle class when they're doing a lot for the rich. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, sure. it's under the somewhat misguided idea that if we lower the corporate tax rate, it's the whole trickle-down economy. So the corporate tax rate would reduce from 35 to 25. All of us would get easy taxes, and the standard deduction would be doubled, which means that, yes, the middle that was where the middle-income people get their stuff. Now, the okay. savings at the high level where you don't have, you have a 35% on that third tier of taxes, which is much lower, combined with a hugely lower corporate tax rate, Will lead to incredible bonuses for the wealthy and the yep. end of, uh, and it's going to cost $1.5 trillion to keep that going over a 10 year period. So it's hardly flawed. It's not going to pass, but it doesn't matter. It appeals to Trump's base. Exactly. It says, I'm doing something. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, no, this is a very well documented thing. Yeah. And by putting that double deduction, putting things that look like they're helping the middle class. They're going to continue to have the Democrats who jump down the gut of anything and just like panic and <coughs> scream like Chicken Little. Mm. Like they're going to get them to panic again, which is going to make them look <coughs> stupid. And we're going to have Trump as our president again in 2020. I like that. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I, I, I think that sums up the Republican tax plan. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Um, the stuff that I, I was going ahead and reading before I came here. That's, um, that's about it. That, uh, you know, the idea is after, uh, you know, a decade of time, you know, more money will be redistributed to um, the wealthiest sectors of society and um, middle class will be left, for, you know, with um, the, the bill or the higher tax rate at the end of the day. And, um, and the working class, right? Well, well, uh, so well, everybody, well, class. ultimately speaking, there's the thing that we always don't like to talk about because it either involves taking away privileges or increasing taxes, and that is we've got a deficit. So $1.5 trillion will be added to the deficit, which will overall make the dollar go down. Now, the wealthier got wealthier, so they'll feel a little bit less than the middle class, and then the poor aren't even getting any new deductions out of this, and their money is worth less. So they're going to get really hit hard. So everybody's yeah. going to get hit. Yeah. Middle class will probably come off slightly worse, but not too bad. But our lowest class of our society will be all but left to rebel. 
Yeah, which is most people because um, what's what's the definition of a middle class in the United States of America, right? You know, what's what's the what's the pay grade on that? What's middle class considered? So Hillary Clinton in her new book define said that we define the middle class by white Americans who work in factories. Um, Where are they at? (laughs) (laughs) These are the people. So these are the pro NRA people. They don't. They're the point one percent that we kind of talk about because there aren't. You're right. There aren't a ton of them. But that's whenever you're talking about like Trump appealing by the latest repeal on the gas things. The the uh, the service sector is hugely larger than these manufacturing group, mm-hmm. and yet everything is isolated to try to help to these people, people yeah. and that is what's defined as the middle class in this country because they vote. Insane. Sure. Yeah. Insane. Insane. <laughs> They're the only people out there voting. And not only do they vote, they vote on very simple perspectives. Are you right. helping my industry? So exactly. if you if you're able to easily appeal to somebody while still keeping all the power and money for yourself, they're a very appealing person for both the Democrats mm-hmm. and Republicans to yeah. try to appeal for. Mm, yep, that sounds about right. Yeah, I guess maybe it's um, you know this voting block in factories is like the just twisted remnants of um, unionism. It is know? that the, you yeah. know because that because that I mean that's kind of where this comes from is you know the neoliberal idea of, uh, of, of politics you know from that period of time I want to say forties fifties sixties yeah I mean it really got. There. It got introduced well before that. That that was in the 1800s where you had you know the the rise of the well, factories, yeah, yeah, the rise of that, factory. and then yeah, they were immediately used, unionized and all that. And yeah. I guess you're right after the Great Depression, Depression. where it really yeah. took off. But yeah, but, but that because a lot of power was um, was in the voter base at that time, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, and apparently still is. Factors. You've still yeah. got a group that votes as a block, and that's important. So yeah. many of us are such complicated creatures are we're not reducible to one issue they really are and that makes and they always get out and vote and one Mm -hmm. thing that intellectuals are great at doing is losing to people who are very simple people (laughs) because they've gone oh my vote doesn't matter oh i don't want to get out of the house oh i like this guy or i don't like this guy but i don't like this guy either (laughs) so i'm just not going to vote all the rationalizations and And then spend four years intellectualizing it's just tragic that that's this is what we have left of uh of of um of unions you know it's just this group of people who are Pretty simple-minded and um, consistently but still vote very against, powerful because yeah. they consistently vote and consistently vote against their own interests. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like that's that's it. That's the only people that are that are left. Where um, there was a time period where um, you know it was a powerful block. These, these unions represented the American people, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the workforce, and just not anymore. You don't think and, that they're a powerful <clears throat> block? I mean, they, Clinton gate. For better or for worse, gave the entire said the entire campaign came down to the Democrats losing that block of people that were saying isn't very powerful. I don't, so I'd argue no, they're one of the most powerful. I, I think that you know they still have power when it comes to voting and whatnot. I, I don't know. I, I guess I think that lobbied interests have more power today than um, union interests in the United States. At the height of unionism, the opposite was true. That um, um, unions was kind of like a lobbying force. Well, and, and I'm, uh, I'm going to say that both of them. So back in the day, 
the lobbied interests were made by the unions, and therefore we're really looking out for the people. Mm -hmm. The people have no less power. The lobbied interests have become so powerful because they've learned to appeal to these very simple one-level group. Yeah. They're like, yes, we can say this, and yes, we can pretend to be doing something about it. Yeah. Well, we actually fulfill our own agenda. So it's just they've so gotten real a story. You know, like like a uh, real effective you know a power coming from the average person is lost. But they still are the group to capture, so they at least have sure. to give the perception <laughs> that these things are happening. Yeah. Where are we at? We're at yeah. 854. I think we're about done. I think that about I think covers we're it. About, okay. We're nice. ringing it dry. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Well, uh, the next one I want to do is kind of a light topic, you know, because... Uh, Too heavy lately? Yeah, man. <laughs> it's just like, you know, the, the world's just falling apart around us, dude. It's just, it's just so heavy. Uh, I, I'm, so I'm kind of thinking, well, what's light to talk about, right? That is um, also, I don't know, maybe a little bit meaningful. And um, I'm having a hard time coming up with a topic. Uh, only thing I've came up with recently is that um, we can get nostalgic and reminisce on a decade of some sort. My problem is, yeah. is it going to be a decade that we've survived? Because if so, yeah, 90s is as close as you can come. Exactly. Right. That's I what I was thinking. I just exactly. watched that CNN exactly. documentary yeah. on the 90s. Yeah. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. If yeah. You guys what, what documentary? Netflix? Netflix? No, it's on it's CNN. The CNN well, documentary is where yeah. you have the channel. They did the 80s and they did the 90s. Uh, uh, is it at Not Geo or something had a good one too, but no, it was just good. I have one of them, so I got everything. So I can yeah. Okay, it. yeah, if you, yeah, you can grab the app and then I just cost it, but I want to say it might just be called the 90s. Okay. But that's the, what I was thinking, is like immediately the 90s came ahead. That's the one where we're all, you know, lived through generally and have been conscious. Yeah, and, the 90s. Uh, and aware. Yeah. Uh, not like we can do like, let's do the 40s, guys. You know, let's see what was up back in the day. Yeah, all right. 80s uh, actually is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, it is interesting. But so I was thinking about maybe we can do a light topic on uh, that. Not sure when I will go ahead and schedule that. Sure. Um, but I'm going to put that out there. And uh, maybe we can do it at a place. I don't know. Have a couple drinks. Sure. You now uh, shoot the shit awesome. and talk about some uh, uh, talk about Bill Clinton and because uh, <laughs> uh, I have some I have some fun things uh, I like to say about Bill Clinton. Sure, he's an interesting guy. He is an interesting uh, guy. You know, talk about all types of pop culture references. Hey, I grew up before movies. you guys even knew him. I was I lived in Arkansas through my childhood. Oh, right. oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. yeah. Like, oh, man. What was he like? As he a was governor? actually pretty cool. He was a fantastic governor. He really? uh, he he took good care. He came and spoke at uh, our synagogue because he and uh, Jimmy Carter had actually gone over mm. to Israel to kind of do this negotiation process and stuff um and he was one of the few governors that was selected and jimmy carter so he talked about his visit to israel and stuff so yeah man you, <laughs> you pay attention to like the uh conspiracy documentaries and stuff out there on youtube though you, you like it is a picture of like bill clinton like this yeah you see the, the clinton you know, just, or the clinton yeah. crime scene <laughs> yeah 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 right um, you know which Pipping uh, it out there, choking women and stuff. Um, yeah, people buy it, man. I'll kill you. Too much information. You, you know, uh, the Clinton Cash. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, did you watch that one? Clinton Cash. Um, I did. What was it. a little scary about it was that, well, Breitbart is full of it. It oh, actually yeah. fact-checked. So it was a little bit scary that all of this stuff really did happen. Like, they yeah. do, they, and they even... 
uh, go in. Hillary actually goes into it a little bit and says, yes, I like making money in speeches, but I didn't make any changes on that. And I'm like, do you really believe that? Like she did go from almost broke to now having a net worth of $150 million. So that did happen. And she does these, you know, $750,000 a million dollar speeches did happen. And for better, for worse. I mean, the people were already kind of in power that got money, but they did happen to get some deals. So they're, Breitbart normally doesn't fact check, so you can usually ignore them. In the case of the Clinton cash in uh, thing, one thing people say, Breitbart seemed to have gotten at least fact. Now they put the darkest spin. light possible yeah, onto yeah. the I was going to say, that's why they, is yeah, it worth the work, or is it just the same yeah. old stuff that I've been hearing for the last? It's, that's my I mean, about. it's it's the usual thing where it's like got dark music and then talks oh, about her yeah. going across and says it's 2000 and, you know, the Clintons have just left the presidency and are in debt. And then she gets the Secretary of State, and then you know seven hundred fifty thousand dollar speeches start appearing, and then these interests start getting all these contracts and stuff. And um, it's but I've seen some crazy stuff on uh, on YouTube about the Clintons, so, about uh, like you know like Bill Clinton like choking out women and stuff, talking about like you know if you ever if you ever tell somebody that you know we had sex, I'll, I'll kill you, you know, and uh, all that type of stuff about her uh, infidelity. Uh, there's there's actually a like new, uh, what is it, mini film series that's actually put out by Democrats saying, what if all of the conspiracy theories were true? So the, the first one they have is about um, Michelle Obama as a black nationalist that goes around threatening people with a gun in her hand and stuff like that. Wow. Hey, uh, <laughs> so it's like if all of this is true, uh, then this is what everything was yeah, like. Then everything was like. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's, sure. it's, it's, it's nuts, man. I'm, I'm part of some um, you know Facebook groups online, and I don't contribute too much to them, but I just like to go ahead and watch some of the arguments <laughs> and stuff. And, I don't even and, and, I, and I just see, start yeah. all the arguments. I like... To put up a, yeah, drop a, a random thing and then and just, just let it go. It just let it go. I do that sometimes because I've man. got about seventy percent liberals and thirty percent ultra conservatives on my group, so makes for That's uh, <laughs> makes for some good arguments sometimes. And so. I'm guessing no moderates, right? Uh, like I mean, a limited that, number I've flushed. got, but they're they the moderates aren't on Facebook, man. They're not mo- doing other things. Moderates yeah. are quieter. I mean, unfortunately, a they're less likelihood because if you look at the splits on the party, the moderate parties on both sides are being pushed out to the level where sure. the one person yeah. I thought could take out Trump in 2020, Warren, just put up that idea of the. Uh, Social security for all, and I'm like, well, she just went off the deep end. What happened? Because I, I actually like to Got to go ahead and cater to that base yeah. now, you know. So, I mean, and some of the Bernie Sanders um, groups and stuff out there, so their social media is insane, dude. Like, um, it's... Bernie's always been it's, nuts. It's, I mean, um, it's, his supporters are hardcore. He's I, super hardcore. Oh, super hardcore. Man. I, I, I uh, Don't say something bad about Bernie, If there's man. one, yeah, if there's know, one right? person that I would have wanted to be president less than Trump, it would have been Bernie really? Sanders. Really? Oh, wow. Me, it would no one. Trump, nobody Trump, maybe trust me, Trump man. is someone. Maybe Ted Cruz is one of them. Yeah. Trump is controllable. If stu- if I mean not stupid, but he he put just puts out ideas with no intent of them actually falling through. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, Bernie is scary in that he puts mathematically infeasible ideas out there that he believes one hundred percent, and he would get his group rallied around them. 
And if the Democrats stepped in and took over with Bernie there as president, the country would go off the deep end and go bankrupt. I mean, it's just... Hmm. That's interesting. We need to talk about um, the politics of Bernie Sanders for one of these. Sure. And uh, because, to, to be honest, I mean, we always get the surface level, level stuff, right? We always get the class, um, you know, um, warfare type of ideas coming from Bernie Sanders and, um, you know, economic inequality. Um, that that's the surface level stuff, but I don't think many people go into the in depth actually not exactly no, what and Bernie that's Sanders good represents, and that's good. and that's for really him. good because none of it makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. you know, he's, he's, he's yeah. We rarely hear about like, well, what does actually Bernie Sanders believe? Like, what, what are you proposing? Yeah, I'm not here? too familiar with his. Uh, yeah, the thing about <clears throat> the thing is that well, it's coming though. Yeah. Is that you know the pendulum has swung so far to the right that. Um, I think we have a lot of Machiavellian uh, voters out here that are like, you know what, I'm, you know, because Trump is in office and um, he is so crazy and wild, you know, wait till an election comes around where I can vote my crazy wild person. Right. And so they're going to go ahead and vote for the most extreme person they possibly can think of. On the other side. Just to go ahead and like, you know, to some, to get back in some you know, partisan revenge type of way at the other side. It's well, it's, it's crazy. not revenge. It's trying to go so far away. I mean, we've had in modern times we have a continually swinging pendulum, with the exception of Reagan being followed by Bush, yep. where we refuse to elect the same parties yep. two terms in a row. Yeah. So, and even with Bush, we had the one president that didn't really get the term, aside from. The second term since Jimmy Carter, and then before that, we hadn't had any in a long time. I mean, we generally bring in the incumbent, and then when the incumbent's done, we go with the opposite party because yeah. we didn't like what they did. Yeah, yeah, so, and it's back and forth. But I think there, no, I think there's a tinge of like um, revenge politics that is they're, starting they're, to manifest. Well, I just think it was man. like a little pendulum that yeah. was going like this. Now, yeah. now yeah. it's going. Like, there's some Trump people. They just. You cannot even like rationalize on a basic level with them, and, yeah. and it's be, and, and they know they're wrong, but they're but they're the whole point is not to it's not it's not about uh, you know the facts. It's it's about I didn't like Obama as a politician, and so um, since I did not like him, and uh, I, I'm going to always be in Trump's corner just so I can go ahead and um, go aha. Nene, at the other side. It was the who's the biggest outsider vote was what kind of determined everything. Everybody knew that they didn't like what was getting, and everybody only thinks that extreme Uh change is the better way to go. And that's I don't know. Well, Trump maybe, as an outsider is certainly what got him through the primaries. Where you had was Obama fifth, somewhat of an outsider when he was uh, campaigning? Obama, no. yeah. Obama was definitely an outsider. Yeah. He yeah, was a yeah. first-term pre- senator that decided to jump and become a yeah, president so. of the United States. So. And uh, you know, and they try to paint him as <clears throat> radical, right? When he first was getting when he first yeah. came in, you know, right? Like, I mean, Jeremiah Wright. They were yeah, trying to yeah. get Clinton as the president back then too, back yeah. in two thousand eight. And uh, outsider you, you could tell out. they promised her. Man, they were like, look, man, we need just yeah. Obama get in there, dude. And we got you next time. We got I, I promise you, after Obama's done, we got you next time. We got, we got you, you next time. It just so happened that next Pinky time swim. happened to be the time when <laughs> no one wanted establishment. Yeah. Um, you're given Hill the most establishment of the Yeah, you could tell they I, I can I can almost see like, look, we got you next time, Hill. We got you. We got you. 
I mean, it's just like, this is going to be undeniable by the time you come up. You just Unfortunately, I don't think our, our country is ready for a female president yet. It probably won't be for another 30 years. years. Yeah. But maybe it's just the social media sphere that's out there. Uh, that, that, but I, I, I see on social media all the time these Trump supporters like, like well, you had, well, Obama got to do this, so we're going to go ahead and let Trump do this now. You know, now it's our turn. It's our turn now. And it's like, what are you talking about? Our turn? What what does that even, you know, what does that mean? Do you see that? Because I've got a lot of Trump supporters on mine and I've never heard that. I see that. I see that. But, you know, this is me going to um, certain pages like Breitbart, um, uh, what is it, Um, IJS or the Independent Journal or something. Um, These conservative pages and going through some of the comments and stuff like that. So if you look at those, and this goes back to the straw man, ironically you'll find some of those extreme things that are easy to pick apart are actually liberals writing things in a conservative Well, that is true, too. But, you know, that that is true, too. But at the same time... So if you actually went to Breitbart, I'd I'd say that you're probably right that they said that. But I actually keep Breitbart on my news feed source because I like MSNBC and Breitbart just to see what the real wackos Mm -hmm. kind of say. Yeah, Yeah, sure. And they're not as far off as you might think. There's trolls from, you know, uh, both sides of the spectrum on both sides of these platforms entering there. But, no, I think I've seen it enough to where I, I think that there's a, there, there's just going to start a group of, of uh, Trump supporters and conservatives out there that, that that you know it's just strictly partisan politics to them and it's just like it's my turn to be an asshole because I thought you were being an asshole so right. some metaphorical everyone's just playing for that yeah, team yeah, right. yeah. There, there are some people that have just divided and said I'm a Republican I'm always going to vote Republican I mean I I try to avoid that. I've certainly voted, you know, for Obama and stuff like that. Though I switched to Romney in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't wonder what Romney's thinking right now, right? Well, he was promised too. Like he, well, Trump got him though. He Trump he him. ran. Yeah, 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 times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trump definitely got him with the whole secretary. And he got him so good yeah, with that he too. He got him with that. He, oh man. See them eating together. I was like, dude, there's no way I know, this right? picking you. After all this shit you oh, talked about, uh-huh. Donald Trump doesn't though. forget. Yeah, like he anything. doesn't. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> he hasn't said a damn thing though. I wonder if Romney's going to try to come back. Well, he, I mean, he's ran hard, three though. times. He has gone on record <laughs> as saying, under no circumstances, no, he's done. He's just like Clinton has said. That, that they're t- done. That, they're, that there's that bad taste in the mouth. He will forever be a very powerful and actually surprisingly good senator so he's one of the few I mean, moderates he, left in the party i mean if you run the 47 percent the tape they will you know remember oh, that. yeah, yeah the 47 47 percent man <laughs> that that will keep coming that will definitely that will come, come binder is a woman <laughs> remember that was a big thing uh, <laughs> i remember yeah. the binder is a woman. woman he is binder's woman he let it he tied his dog to the top of a car and, and drove across the country <laughs> this no one's criminal saying, you guys think trump will get impeached no, no, I think he's going to be that. president again in 2000. I don't know if he's going to be a president. <laughs> I think there's almost 0% chance he's not president. How do you think this whole Mueller thing will end up going? Uh, uh, Mueller thing? Not one person who has gone against him that's in his cabinet has come across, come out well. So the fact that Mueller went against him, Mueller's going to end up losing here. And, and he will end up getting fired out of the administration. And just like... No, like, Mueller, like... Um, the special investigator. Oh, the special yeah, investigator. Yeah. For the Trump and the Russia connection thing. They're going to pass it off as Russia was working on their own. 
Trump actually has the right to pardon himself, but I don't think anything. I think that they've had enough time. At this point, they're no longer investigating Trump per se, nearly as much as seeing what Russia's been doing. Because Russia's clearly been doing stuff, and we've talked about this. They've been Mm -hmm. doing stuff long before the days where they were buying social media. I think they're going to get one. They're going to, to make an example, they're going to go ahead and kick, get one guy. If they get one, that could be. Because Manafort, apparently, if they get him, he must know, or Flynn, or, you know, but I just have a feeling, like, like I have a lot of liberal friends, yeah. so like, and I'm just like, I just have to be like, dude, I think you should maybe calm down, because uh, your expectation uh, is too high. No, yeah, just uh, temper your expectation. I, I don't think anything's going to come out. We're going to find it, and we're going to get new laws on the book, which Google and Facebook and all of them are already going into the self-policing yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be the end results is there's going to be laws that support that. You have to self-police. And we may end up under the for- unfortunate thing where the government's allowed to access a lot more information a lot easier. So it might go down a bad slippery know, slope. Right? Yeah. And Trump will be president again. And Trump will I'm be president If again. Trump ran today, he would win. If Trump wins yeah, in 2020, so. he'll win. Well, you know, I, I would say the only the only way Trump would, to me, I think right now would win in 2020 is just that there's no other compelling option on the other side. It's not anything to do with his policy. That's a big part of it. Not anything to do with um, even his base, per se. I think it's just that there's no compelling option uh, on the other side there of the politics there. out there for people to be motivated to you come mean, out there. Democrat, right? Yeah. yeah, there isn't. There's no. no Democrat that's going to come across. That's the, that's the big problem. It's like, you know, it's just that I see an unmotivated base. You know, I, I, don't, I don't see people coming out in droves saying, you know what? I, I think we need more. I, Trump. Call, just call <laughs> I, I, I see, I see people sitting at home and uh, just saying, I give up. Complaining. You know, complaining. Trump's base will vote. Yeah. The, other, the base of the other guys are just sitting Well, just think a lot. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Think a lot and complain. Yeah. You know, um... Well, but I think the option years is coming midterms. Really, I think it's going to go ahead and decide yeah. for me to whether Trump has a has a good odds of, of even wanting to come back in twenty twenty. I think that if I think that if the Democrats pick up um, enough Senate seats, I think then that that's. But the I, party sure gerrymanding is at an all-time high. So I listened to something about Well, the, they're trying to crack that right now. It's a they, court case, right? They are, but good luck with five conservative judges in the Republican Party telling them not to crack that. Well, four. You know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Roberts. He's, he's... You've got one moderate Republican. Yeah. Four. Is that Kennedy or Roberts? Is uh, the one that... Uh, I want to say that's... Ken. I think Kennedy, the, the John. Kennedy. I don't honestly remember anybody's yeah, name. Ever. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> um, we're talking about the same guy, though. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Uh, so we've got one moderate, and four. the point is that they're not going to stop the parties gerrymandering, and the, we've already got one decision that puts at least punted the ball, and but could be interpreted to mean that it's already been decided that gerrymandering with legal. And they've got a map room where they literally just redivide, redraw everything. So most places, and especially in 2018, where very few at-risk Republican seats are open, where you're more likely to be attacked by your own party. And that's the reason they have to support the NRA. If your NRA grade goes down, you might lose your seat to somebody in the party. John Roberts. Yeah. Yeah, Roberts. I think that I don't. I don't know what's going to happen with that case. Um, you know, John Roberts. Um, 
And he's, he's surprising him. He's thinking of retiring. He's thinking right. of he so may retire and drop it. Um, maybe he'll go ahead and have a moment of conscious, you know, uh, or 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 not. But uh, well, it's not a matter of conscious. So what they're looking for in the case, which they weren't able to provide in two thousand four, was what is the mathematical metric for yeah. can't determining the, can't what is. Gerrymandering, and they couldn't decide it in 2004, so they punted it till now. Yeah. Well, now we have a precedent for voting it to be legal. So, in order to really challenge that, you have to have compelling evidence on enough has changed with your information in the case. And that's where I don't know the fact that I haven't seen any mathematical claims on what you're going to call ma- gerrymandering makes me think that even the Democrats are going to have to vote that the standard stays until somebody like is able to formulate out this is what we're going to define as the illegal gerrymandering i think they want to use i think they want to use the wisconsin um, incident as a model of like this is what can't the most extreme but that it's easy to say this can't happen the question is mapping out what can happen yeah and uh but you know i don't think that um i'm not sure that the at the very least I, i don't think the supreme court will go ahead and um Put a you know uh, put a lid on this and make a definitive decision. Yeah. Uh, maybe they'll go ahead and kick it and kick the can down the road again, or say that you know, or yeah, that's... drop it. Uh, but I don't think that um, you know, I don't think that that would be prudent. But uh, I think yeah. kick the can is going to happen again too. I think yeah. they're going to be like, come back with a case that actually has math involved, and we'll talk to you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and uh, but um, you know, but I, I, I think that there could be a chance that um, the the Senate maybe goes to the to the left. Um, the House is freaking lost, man. Uh, I don't think that's going to come around for um, until maybe another census period after. Who knows? It's, it's, it could go, but it'd be 2020 or 2022. Yeah. Right now, the Senate's actually in more danger of losing more Democratic seats. Yeah. Than if Democrats gain because it's it's simple well, more the math are, of yeah. more Democrats more Democrats are yeah, running yeah. for re-election than Republicans and most of the Republicans are in what you would consider Republican-y solid seats which couldn't be challenged by anybody in many cases they're not being challenged by anybody mm-hmm. yeah well, no, it's, it's pretty much bleak if you're a Democrat or liberal for the next several years yeah at least you've got to i i think the house inevitably in every presidential election there's one time where they lose control of the house and or senate in obama it was his midterm election i because of the way that the math works i don't think it's going to happen now 2020 2022 democrats may take back over and Mm -hmm. get one majority but it doesn't matter republicans aren't passing anything right now they're not even really trying they're they're like let's pretend like we're doing stuff well we're really it's not true. we're looking into it we're looking too into much it. grid law so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and, we're looking into we're it. trying to get it we're getting yeah, we'll out we'll get back to you on and that from yeah. that perspective it doesn't matter if you have democrats or republicans I know, right? stopping yeah. the legislation they're yeah. just stopping it well i think that's about it guys yeah, yeah. it is yeah. 9 30 that was a good conversation thank yeah. you guys once again goodbye people out there We'll see you next time. Bye. Adios. And there you have it, folks. Another podcast down, episode five. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed actually being there. And per usual, 
If you find yourself in the Atlanta area on a Tuesday or north of Atlanta and you want to go ahead and come on by, be sure to go to the Current Issues Discussion Group, Meetup Group. Go ahead and reserve your slot. You can sit down and have a conversation with us. We can get your unique perspective from your corner of the world on all types of issues. And we will be bringing this podcast to other places too. I look to go ahead and connect with some people around the world via the mysterious and magical internet. So look out for that too. We'll be getting perspectives from people overseas uh, and people around the United States of America. All right. So I'm going to keep this outro nice and short. I know I talked to you guys' ear off in the beginning, but I had to go ahead and get that Hobson thing out, man. (laughs) If you haven't seen that video, please go ahead and uh, watch that and have a discussion with your friends and record it and come up with your own podcast. Know what I'm saying? All right, folks. Until next time, see you later.